This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 12.03 on Thursday afternoon, January 19th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. The candidates for mayor of Chicago will meet in a debate tonight. We'll have a preview in our next segment. But right now, the federal government has reached its debt limit with fresh numbers on home construction and jobless claims out today. We're joined by Gus Fauché, chief economist, PNC Financial Services, based in Pittsburgh. Gus, thanks. Thanks for joining us today. It seems that uh, anxiety is sweeping through the financial markets uh, the last couple of days as a couple of uh, several uh, issues are weighing on their mind. The first one is the prospect of now that the Fed may overshoot on uh, its interest rate hiking cycle and could unnecessarily uh, tip the economy into recession. So it sounds like a soft landing, Gus, is back on the table. Well, yeah, no, it's it's a very difficult task for the Fed. Obviously, inflation is high, although it is slowing. Uh, they want to raise interest rates enough to bring inflation back down to 2% without pushing the economy into recession. Uh, they're concerned that if they don't raise rates enough, that inflation will stay elevated. Uh, so they may overdo it and, and push the economy into recession sometime later this year. That's what our baseline forecast is, is at PNC for a mild recession in, in the second half of 2023. And the uh, debt limit discussions are uh, already ramping up in Washington. Uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen saying that we will hit the debt ceiling this week and that uh, some moves can be made to continue paying America's obligations at least for the next couple of months. But but five months from now, Congress has to do something. Uh, Where is that on uh, investors' radar right now? I I think that's in the background. The assumption is, is that that does get fixed. Uh, but if it, you know, if if we go another few months and we're seeing inaction in Congress, uh, we're seeing negotiations over the debt ceiling that aren't going anywhere. Then I think investors start to get more nervous. We see long-term interest rates creep up, and, and obviously that's bad news, and that increases the likelihood that we do get a recession sometime in 2023. And then uh, what what can we make of the uh, latest round of earnings, especially from Procter and Gamble, that did uh, indicate that people or consumers Uh, did pull back, at least as far as Procter & Gamble products are concerned. Yeah, we are seeing consumers turning more cautious. Uh, we're de- dealing with higher inflation that has reduced their uh, real incomes. Uh, obviously, people are concerned about the potential for recession. We're getting layoff notices from big companies. So I think that's an indication that consumers are turning more cautious uh, and are perhaps uh, you know being more careful with their spending and becoming more price conscious. And despite the reports of uh, major layoffs at tech companies uh, based on the applications for new unemployment, employment benefits today, it sounds like the job market is as strong as ever. 
Yeah, I mean, they fell below 200,000. They can be volatile this time of year because of the holidays. But certainly, I think from the Fed's perspective, this is the claims are too low. Uh, they want to see a slowing in job growth. We're not seeing that. And so this may make them more likely to raise uh, the Fed funds rate in the near term. At the same time, though, there are numerous indications the economy is slowing down, that people are changing their spending patterns in response to both uh, prices and interest rates. Uh, Does the Fed take that into their calculus? Uh, They do, but they are very concerned about the potential that the tight labor market could result in strong wage inflation contributing to overall inflation. So they're trying to balance all of these things. They've got a very difficult job ahead of them in 2023, uh, and the odds for a misstep are, are elevated because of that. Gus Fauché, Chief Economist, PNC Financial Services, based in Pittsburgh. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up, a look ahead to tonight's Chicago mayoral debate. It's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. All nine candidates for mayor of Chicago are expected to take part in a debate being hosted by Channel 7 tonight. Let's discuss that jam-packed political affair with Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business. Greg, thanks for joining us today. It seems like the first... uh, item on the list of things to watch tonight is uh, Mayor Lightfoot will be challenged or can answer the uh, scandal that uh, erupted last week about the campaign possibly offering credit to CPS students. The mayor did talk about that during a media availability last week, but this it seems like it'll be the first time she'll be challenged in a debate setting. Yeah, and I'm sure that's going to come up, but uh, I would expect a whole bunch of stuff to come up. Uh, um, uh, crime certainly is the, is probably the overriding issue uh, in this campaign. Uh, that's certainly why I hear people talking about what the polls suggest is on people's minds. Uh, and at the same time, Lord Lutz is going to try to, to uh, turn the, the notch a little bit and then put some of her uh, her opponents on the hot seat, too. Uh, we'll see what she how successful she is. I mean, man, and with nine candidates in a ninety-minute session, uh, there ain't a lot of time to uh, to get the, to get your message out. But she's going to try. It seems like some of the uh, potential uh, countering maneuvers that Mayor Lightfoot will use is going after a congressman, uh, former congressman Chewy Garcia, over uh, his ties to the now uh, defunct cryptocurrency exchange FTX. Sam Bankman-Fried raining a lot of dollars on Democrats in recent election cycles, and then uh, how can he counter? that well he's gonna what he's gonna say is i didn't know about it it was an independent expenditure which technically it was but uh, but uh, you know this from chicago when politicians get a bunch of money spent on their behalf here we tend to wonder what happened behind the scenes regardless of what the guy says um the, the, the interesting dynamic here though is with uh, with uh, garcia and lightfoot who according to most of the surveys i've seen are, are, are numbers one and two with them fighting at each other does it open the, the open the middle up for somebody else to come in uh maybe uh, brandon johnson the county commissioner who's been quietly building quite a war chest, or uh, Paul Vallis, the uh, the school chief. As long as numbers one and two are throwing dirt at each other, numbers three, four, and five had a chance, particularly in this year with such a, a, a complicated, uh, a very busy ballot. And just based on the old eye test, uh, watching TV, you see a lot of commercials for Brandon Johnson. And then in my own observations from driving around the northwest side of Chicago, you see a lot of signs for Paul Vallis. If you're in the top five out of the field of nine, is your job to wrap it up in February or at the very least make it to a runoff? Oh, your job has got to be to make it to a runoff. If you finish third, 
it, you, April doesn't matter. You're out. You're out of the run. You, you have to be numbers one and two. And I could give you now a plausible scenario for for almost any combination involving the, the top five. I put Willie Wilson in that in that as well. Uh, uh, almost any of them could make the top five, and the and then. What happens in the runoff? Who knows? Depends on who who makes the runoff. Uh, this is about as wide open of a mayoral race as I've ever seen, uh, and uh, we still have five more weeks of exciting things to happen. What do you make of Paul Vallis in this particular contest? I mean, he made his reputation as a reformer of Chicago public schools. Went down to New Orleans, tried to do the same after Hurricane Katrina. Uh, publicly announced a couple of years ago that he was now a Republican, but now he's doing these campaign commercials that, of course. Uh, hit on the issue of crime, as you said. He's making himself the the crime candidate, the person who can solve this particular problem. But it seems like he's trying to win over people who might be concerned that he might be too law and order or potentially Trumpian. Well, that's part of it. Uh, I would put it a little bit different. I think the question is, 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 are people in Chicago looking for a veteran who can get down right to work and has some experience, uh, or are they looking for, for somebody new, uh, maybe somebody of color? Uh, Paul Vallis has been around an awful long time. Uh, he's uh, well in his 60s, and he shows it. Uh, and uh, as you suggest, he is, uh, uh, by Chicago political standards, kind of to the political right. He would say, that's ridiculous. I was Pat Quinch running mate for, for the for lieutenant governor, I'm a, I'm a Democrat, but uh, the, the mayor has used that argument pretty successfully against him that he's really a closet Republican, and uh, he didn't discourage it anyone. He accepted endorsement from the police union, uh, but like I said. Uh, Crime is the number one issue this 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 cycle here in in, in Chicago would appear, and perhaps uh, the citizenry, uh, at least the majority of us, looking for a tougher approach than they've seen out of this mayor. Greg Hines, Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business. You'll be watching that debate. I'll be watching that debate. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, a discussion of the future of hybrids in the auto industry. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The new Chevy Corvette is a hybrid and not an all-electric car. Let's talk about GM's strategy with Jeff Gilbert, CBS News automotive reporter based in Detroit. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. At first glance, after learning about GM moving away from hybrid vehicles to invest in EV production, this would seem like an about-face or a U-turn. Yeah, you know, that came up at a briefing on this vehicle because GM's stance has been <clears throat> that hybrids are transitional technologies. We're going to jump right to electric vehicles. So why do a hybrid Corvette? Well, this is kind of a one-off. It's all about power. They're adding essentially electric motors to the front. They still have that big V8 in the back, and it's going to get them 655 horsepower. And uh, in this particular case, it's one other choice, 
as they prepare to bring out an electric Corvette in a couple of years. The uh, the Ford has already uh, had great success with the uh, Mustang Mach-E. Uh, does this also reflect the, the fact that uh, GM and maybe other automakers are still uh, working on uh, true high-performance sports cars and making them EVs? Well, there are a couple of things going on here. First, uh, with fuel economy regulations, you can only add so much power now to a traditional gasoline engine because they're not going to meet fuel economy rules. So you've got to add electrification to do that. Also, you know, there are horsepower wars. So people want as many horsepower as they can get, and electric motors do that. And You put an electric and a gasoline together, and you can really ramp up the power. Now, now in terms of Ford and GM, uh, the, the Mustang is, is a great vehicle, but it's not really a direct competitor with a Corvette. There's nothing really like a Corvette. I know we, we've seen in previous conversations, we've talked about how the Corvette is either embracing or trying to run away from its image as a grandpa's sports car. I mean, isn't, you know, President Biden, who was about to turn 80, is a uh, is is a big fan of the of the Chevrolet Corvette. But who who are the Corvette competitors, not only in the U.S. but around the world? Uh, they're really it's a niche uh, uh, of its own because I mean the Corvette really even though they've gone mid engine it's not like a Ferrari or a Maserati they're in kind of a class above the Corvette the Camaro the Challenger Charger and the uh, and the Mustang are more everyday vehicles so so the Corvette kind of sits in its own perch in between. And obviously the challenge for all of the automakers is to uh, develop EVs that uh, the general public can buy. And uh, with the starting price at $104,000, the Corvette, whether it's electric, traditional gasoline engine, or hybrid, is just simply, as you said, a niche product that all select few can afford. Right, but it's also a halo product, and that's why uh, GM has done vehicles like the electric Hummer to show what you can do with electrification. Now, pure EVs are coming out in the form of midsize EV, midsize SUVs, the Blazer and the Equinox this year. So those, you know, will, will hit right on the heart of the market. And again, you mentioned hybrids. Toyota will tell you, I mean, they're on the exact opposite side as GM. They feel hybrids still have a lot of life, but of course, Toyota's a pioneer with hybrids with a Prius. Jeff Gilbert, CBS News automotive reporter based in Detroit. Thanks for joining us today. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, using drones to safeguard your home. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station, News Radio 1059. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio. WBBM actor Alec Baldwin will be charged in a shooting on a movie set that left a cinematographer dead. The details coming up in a CBS News special report. In Technology Thursday, drones that are designed to keep your home secure. Also on the tech front, a personal breakup will likely require a technological separation. WBBM business, the markets are lower, the Dow is down 169 points, the NASDAQ is down 97, the S&P 500 is down 24. AccuWeather says cloudy and breezy today with patchy fog, along with occasional rain and drizzle, especially later today. Rain may mix with a late wet snow later on. High today of 44. We have 40 degrees right now at 1231. CBS News Special Report. New Mexico authorities will charge Act Alec Baldwin and a weapons specialist with involvement.
involuntary manslaughter for the fatal shooting of a cinematographer on the set of their film Rust. CBS's Chris Van Cleve is in Santa Fe now with details. Baldwin and Hannah Gutierrez read the armorer have been charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter for the shooting that killed the cinematographer Helena Hutchins. The charges will be filed formally uh, before the end of the month, the DA says. Baldwin was pointing a pistol at Hutchins when the gun went off. Our legal analyst Jessica Levinson weighed in. What we do know, I think, is that the prosecutor did not find intent. And that's why you see these involuntary manslaughter charges, is that nobody thinks there was an intent to kill Hutchins. Baldwin's attorney agreed, saying the charges distort Hutchins' death and represent a terrible miscarriage of justice. They plan to fight the charges. CBS News Special Report. I'm Monica Ricks. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are in the red again today. We're joined by Paul Nolte, Senior Wealth Advisor and Market Strategist at Murphy & Sylvest in Chicago. Paul, thanks for joining us today. It sounds like the uh, possibility of a soft landing is back on the menu, especially after a year in which uh, it seemed like a recession in 2023 is a fait accompli. Yeah, if you take a look at what the expectations are for earnings for the S&P 500, by the end of the year, earnings are expected to be actually higher than they were December 31st of 2022. So that would tell you that at least analysts are expecting the S&P 500 companies, at least, to kind of breeze through this year and, and earn more money. And I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing the markets kind of struggle at this point because maybe that's a little bit in doubt given the, some of the economic numbers that we've gotten the last couple of days that indicate at least the manufacturing side of the economy is really struggling here with those higher interest rates. When did the concern about the Fed possibly overshooting uh, really take hold this week? <laughs> I, You know, it depends on who you talk to because it, it, it's almost every meeting that the Fed has had Everybody has said they're doing too much, they're doing too much, and they shouldn't raise rates as much as they are, yet they go ahead and do it. Um, and I think that's been one of the things that's, that's really got into the market. We take a look at what the expectations are by the end of the year, and by the end of the year, it's expected that the Fed's going to cut at least 25, if not 50 basis points by the end of this year. So I think that's been there for a little while, um, that a recession is going to happen and the Fed's going to have to cut rates. So I think many participants are looking at the Fed going, you've already gone too far and, and uh, we're going to have to reverse some of this before the end of the year. If you were on team soft landing, I suppose the last couple of weeks of data really have bolstered your cause between the uh, December CPI report, which showed inflation slowing down, the December PPI report, which really showed inflation decelerating, uh, energy costs uh, notwithstanding, the fact that people are spending not as much or a little less you know, are, are clamping the wallet shut compared to previous months. And uh, despite all of that, the job market is still strong. It seems like all the uh, all the ingredients are there for a soft landing. They are. And, you know, one of the things that you have to take a look at is really we've kind of split the economy. So anything that's related to manufacturing and housing, I would argue, is probably in if in a recession already. The service side um, is not. And that's the strongest part of the economy. So when you look at airlines, you look at restaurants, hotels, et cetera, all of those are continuing to do pretty well as we're going through this reopen. And my argument would be that the economy is not normalized yet. 
And we have probably another year or two before we see what is normal uh, going forward. I don't think we're going back to where we were three, four years ago, where everybody is always in the office and we have a very, very vibrant downtown area, whether it's Chicago, New York or L.A. And because of that, I think it's going to require some new models, at least for uh, economists, to try to determine what the economy really looks like under this new regime. It's interesting you mentioned that we need some new models. There were a couple of, uh, of, of analysts this week who said that the, the models that we have used to analyze the economy from the 1970s through 2019 no longer apply, that uh, basically the pandemic was such a disruptive event from shutting down the economy to turning it back on that uh, the old cliche turned out to be true. you got to throw the record book away. You do. And, you know, certainly um, as as you and I walk around downtown Chicago, it has a very different look and different, very different vibe than what we saw three, four years ago. And, uh, you know, talking to a lot of companies, a lot of employees, et cetera, they're not going back to five days a week. They may be going back to three. And it's part of the reason why you see that the traffic pattern easy on Monday and Friday and pretty jammed up on Wednesdays. Um, And that, I think, is going to be kind of the new normal, and that's where I think the economy is looking at right now. Yeah, because of that, I think you wind up throwing out the playbook here, and it's, again, going to take a while for economists and and everybody else to kind of figure out, okay, well, how does this really work now going forward? Paul Nolte, Senior Wealth Advisor and Market Strategist at Murphy & Sylvest in Chicago. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, an update on the use of drones to protect your home. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Technology Thursday. Some of the latest innovations in home security involve drones. Let's check in with Carl Prouty, the technologist at Apt Electronics in Glenview. Carl, thanks for joining us today. So uh, that the Ring doorbell camera or... Or the Nest cameras, no longer enough. You need to have a drone hovering above your house to give you a bird's eye view of any uh, potential threats that may uh, harm your home. That's what they're telling us. Now, the, the Ring drone, though, is, is sort of exceptional in that this is the first one that's designed for indoor use. So this one's actually going to protect the inside of your house versus the outside. Now, when did, was this technology uh, introduced and uh, how does it work for the average homeowner? The, well, the outdoor technology has been around for a little while, the last few years. The indoor technology is still kind of waiting to be released. There's, you can get on a special waiting list uh, through Ring to get the new, uh, the, to get the new Always Home camera. But uh, no, it's, 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 it's very recent. And what this does is uh, it's an autonomous drone. It basically just flies around inside your house to give you a perspective of any room you want when you're not home. And, and this is above and beyond uh, security concerns. So if you're concerned, maybe you left the iron on or you left the oven on, you can fly your drone into the kitchen to take a look and see if uh, your suspicion is actually true. You can. There are there are some limitations, though. So with with this particular drone, you actually have to set up your own flight path. So you do that through the app on your phone or on a on a tablet, and you tell the drone kind of where to go. And then when you're away, you can tell it what flight path you want it to take. So if you if you want to make sure that you don't leave the iron on, then one of the paths you can set up is maybe into your laundry room where that iron is located, and then you can tell it to go that way. Or if you want to check and make sure you close the windows in in uh, in the kitchen, you can have it fly into your kitchen, 
and kind of check that flight path as well. It's not, it's not like a typical drone in that you can control it real time. You have to set up those flight paths yourself. Now, are you aware of uh, any apt customers who actually have this drone in their house? And if so, how do they like it? At the moment, no. I haven't talked to anybody that has it in their home yet. I think it's just a very select few people who have it right now. Um, but based on all the information, it's it's a, it's an interesting concept. Um, it really it, it it's something that people I, I think it's going to have a niche market. It's people who want to keep their homes safe and and really that don't have pets. These I can imagine uh, driving dogs crazy. <laughs> I, I know I, I know mine would probably rip it out of the air. <laughs> I was just about to ask you that question because a couple of years ago I got a remote controlled helicopter for Christmas and uh, that thing lasted for about three days uh, because the dog finally worked up the gumption to uh, basically chew it out of the sky. So uh, yes, if uh, if you want to have the always home drone, uh, you should probably uh, make sure the dog is okay with it or just uh, not get it at all if you have a pet. That's right. And and not only is it loud like a drone, so, so it'll sound like a blender going off. So it's designed to use when nobody's home, but it also makes an audible noise so that you know when it is operating. So even if you were home, it makes an, a noise outside of just the fan going so that you know it's operating. So there aren't any surprises. But the nice part about this too is that unlike other indoor cameras, this one, when it docks, it completely cuts the camera off. So the camera stops working altogether. So it is unique uh, in that regard as well. The outdoor drone that flies over your home, that also, I mean, that's been out for a while, but that's also fascinating to me because in my own experience, when I got the ring camera just for the front door, um, it wasn't so much, I mean, obviously it was for security. I mean, the impetus was uh, there was just some stranger walking up and down the block one night and uh, people didn't know who this person was, but the, uh, the, it just became a, an endless source of fascination for me because then you could find out, oh, the, the, the garbage truck uh, picked up the garbage. We we saw the garbage truck go by or, or, or so-and-so, or, or you knew when Amazon dropped off a package or UPS. And I could see the same thing with the, uh, with, with the drone above your house because then you could find out when, let's say, a possum comes in or, or what type of creature knocked over your flowers. I mean, it, it just can be an endless source of entertainment as well as information. It absolutely can, but I will say again, with, with drones, because they're battery operated, there is that limitation of how long they can they can stay up. I have I have cameras on the outside of my house as well, um, and the nice part about those is that they're they're wired into your power, so you don't have to worry about not catching something. And it's it's obviously entertaining. And some of these some of these drones can even they have a almost a chase feature on them, where if somebody is on your property, you can have the drone follow that person. So they can, so you can get a good look at who it is. So that's that's certainly a feature that you don't get with a stationary camera, but you are limited a little bit because of the battery. Carl Prouty, the technologist at Apt Electronics and Glenview, thanks for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday and still to come on this Technology Thursday, things you need to do electronically when you go through a breakup. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Technology Thursday, and in this segment, we're talking about how the end of a relationship may require the untangling of tech lives. We're joined by Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media and former 
former tech editor for the Today Show based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, Paul, thanks for joining us today. And in in the, the breakup song by the Greg Kinn Band, the guy's problem was uh, uh, the jukebox playing a song you used to know. But now with uh, so much uh, uh, digital entanglement that uh, married couples or cohabitating couples have, uh, you wish that was the, the worst of your problems. That's true. In fact, um, and you know, you know, I mean, full disclosure, I've been through this myself, and it's not—it's not easy. It's painful, but it's also, if you can look at your past life, digitally speaking, as open doors that need to be closed in some ways. Uh, those include a lot of passwords for sure. That's the best way to look at it. Basically, what you're trying to do is maintain privacy, uh, maintain civility, of course. But uh, above all, if you really feel like you have lots of shared passwords, and many couples do, or passwords that both couples are aware of, it is really smart to look at each one of your online accounts, uh, investment, banking, et cetera, you know, cloud storage, you name it, and change those passwords so that those things that are remembered aren't remembered by everybody. The, uh, the big ones, of course, uh, banking or other financial sites, uh, social media for sure, and email, because uh, not only are you talking about uh, just it was shared access because you were together, but now you're talking about uh, there are some uh, significant security implications there. That's exactly right. I mean, again, there, you're going to. I'm just going into this conversation with you, um, with the assumption that most people are going to try and are going to exercise some goodwill and not try and you know sneak around and look around at other people's accounts. But if you are concerned about that, there are a couple of key steps. First of all, uh, email is probably the top of the list. Um, if your ex has your password, um, which is likely because you may have shared it, um, then that is definitely something to change. And we talked about the other you know places to to change passwords. One thing, Google is still sort of the the center of gravity for a lot of people's online world, as well as Amazon, those two in particular. Um, and each, Google and Amazon both have ways of changing uh, you know, login and security information pretty quickly and pretty easily. But I guess what I'm saying is I'm, I'm casting a wide net here and saying that if couples are breaking up, Google and Amazon are really good ways to take care of a lot of the sort of day-to-day password stuff that has to get changed. And uh, there are some tips uh, that we can, you know, that we can offer later. But the point is that there's, those two places are really the best way to start. And then, of course, things like Netflix and Spotify and all those other shared accounts. And then uh, Facebook accounts too. I mean, you may not uh, have shared access to a Facebook account. You may have separate Facebook accounts, but uh, uh, you may there may be a married name involved. Uh, you're definitely uh, friends on Facebook. Uh, how do you untangle your social media life? No, that's a, that's a great point. And, and Facebook is interesting, as is Google, by the way, uh, for ways sort of, I wouldn't call it insidious, that's too strong a word, but they've been definitely trying to infiltrate your life in every way they can. And in many cases, people sign on to things like PayPal, which is totally unrelated to this conversation, through using their Facebook login. So the point is that it's talking about tangling, you know, a lot of your online services are accessed because of uh, convenience using uh, logging on logging in via Facebook or logging in via Google and the result is that those passwords are intertwined so even if you think Facebook there's a password that you've got changed if somebody goes in through Google and you used to then they can still go in through Google until you've changed things so um, yeah those are those are great ways to great places I should say to take care of right away Paul Hockman president of humongous media former tech editor for the Today show based in Cambridge Massachusetts thanks for joining us today if you missed any part of the Noon Business Hour. We'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app.
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.